Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy and chapter number 4. The book of 1 Timothy and chapter number 4. We're continuing with the pastoral epistles, specifically as we're hitting the book of 1 Timothy, understanding that Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, and being an encouragement to him, trying to instruct him, trying to be a help, trying to prepare him for the things yet to come. Last time we met, we explained that Paul put an emphasis of him being a good minister of Jesus Christ. And he took a couple times to explain what it means to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. With that same thought that Paul is instructing Timothy to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, he continues on with that same theme in the book of 1 Timothy chapter number 4. And if you don't mind, we're going to start in verse number 6. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, the Bible says this, but if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast obtained. But refuse profane and old wives' tales or fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. <laughs> Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by the prophecy, by prophecy, with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 Timothy chapter number 4. The book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, notice with me in verse number 16. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 16, with again the idea that Paul is telling Timothy about being a good minister of Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 16 the warning, take heed unto thyself. Take heed 
unto thyself. And with the Lord's help, we're going to see this message here. Take heed unto thyself and see a couple different things that Paul is instructing Timothy to pay attention, to take heed to himself. So if you don't mind, let's take some time to talk to the Lord together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the day that you've given us. Thank you for the life, health, strength, ability that you have given us that we could use it to serve the Lord. We're asking that you would just help us now that we understand that the primary interpretation is that this is given to Timothy to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. But for every single one of us that have a desire to serve the Lord, these are some things that we can apply to ourselves that we could put inside of ourselves, that we could pay attention to, that we may be good ministers unto Jesus Christ. Again, with a list like this and being so important, I'm asking that you would just help, Lord. Fill me with your precious spirit. I need you. I need you to take this and to take over, that you could get accomplished, and that your Holy Spirit would be working in everyone's hearts, that we could make a determination, a preparedness, a, a decision not only to follow you, but to pay attention to the things within our own lives so that we could follow you more effectively. Thank you again for you being God. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as Paul is taking time with, to his son in the faith, Timothy, as we've already explained, he's putting an emphasis about being a good minister of Jesus Christ. Remember that word minister means servant. To be a good servant of Jesus Christ. Well, hopefully everyone who is a Christian has made a decision. Uh, you're in a Wednesday night crowd, so this is, you've made a decision already to follow the Lord some sort. That somewhere inside of you that you have a desire to be a good servant of Jesus Christ. And to know what that entails to be a good servant, there are several things that you need to pay attention to inside of yourself to watch. Now again, the primary interpretation is that Paul is talking to Timothy who is acting in behalf of a pastor. And so this is primarily dealing with an individual acting in the idea of a pastor that he is supposed to watch in himself. However, these are things that easily you can apply to yourself that you can take heed, you could pay attention in yourself. The word heed is an interesting word. It carries the idea to pay attention. We usually don't use that word in normal vocabulary. You know, you better heed me. You better pay attention to me. It means something to watch out for, something to keep your eye on, something to make sure that is done. So here is a list of things that the Apostle Paul, as he just blam, 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 hits one thing after another, after another, to instruct his son in the faith, to make sure that he watches. And the reason why he's instructing Timothy in such a way is because he's already watched some people fall away. He's already watched some people who's called to the Lord, who began to serve God, fall away, to move away, to move from the doctrine, to begin to teach other things. Now, this is Timothy, his disciple. This is someone he's invested in, someone he's poured his heart in. And the worst thing that could happen to the apostle Paul concerning Timothy is for Timothy to leave the faith, to believe something different, to walk away from the Bible, to start teaching something else. And so this is all to instruct Timothy as a pastor to warn him so he does not go astray and leave the teachings that Paul taught him 
based off the word of God. So if you don't mind, let's go through this list and see some things that the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy to take heed, to pay attention in himself. The very first thing that we see here is that Timothy is supposed to pay attention. He's supposed to take heed in himself. He's supposed to remember to exercise. He starts off by telling him to remember to exercise. Remember to exercise. Notice with me in verse 7. It says, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. As we begin off in verse number 7, we're talking about things that we're supposed to pay attention to. And Paul says, you need to exercise. With the idea here is that there are some things that you could do with your time. Do you know that you got time? There's plenty of time. But what do you do with that time? You know, you can waste your time. Have you figured that out in your life? You could waste your time. And there are some things that you could waste your time on. You know what one thing you could waste your time on? The Bible says in verse 7, but refuse profane, that means empty, and old wives' fables. You know, we could get in discussions with things that don't matter. Now, again, he's talking to an idea of a pastor. And what happens is that people can get ideas from the internet, from computer, from reading, from this, from that, from that. And they start to develop their own ideas. And instead of talking about things of church, they want to come and talk to the pastor about nonsense, empty stuff, garbage, waste of time stuff, stuff that doesn't matter in eternity. And, and by the way, small chit-chat we understand is an art. But these people want to get in the place. Prove me wrong that this doesn't exist. Prove me wrong that aliens didn't build the Egyptian pyramids. And, you know, <coughs> they start going through things. I've got better things to do. I want to teach the Bible rather than take time to refute why this isn't true, why this isn't true, why this isn't true. Why are you even thinking of this in the first place? But instead, the Apostle Paul says, instead of wasting time in discussions, refuse those, set them aside, don't even give, pay attention to those. But what you should be using your time on to take heed to yourself is to exercise thyself unto godliness. Exercise thyself unto godliness. The word exercise uh, in the ancient language gives us the same word we have for today for uh, gymnasium. Uh, a place to go work out. The gym. The, this carries the idea of putting yourself into training. So the word exercise carries the idea of putting yourself into training. Do you know that you can train yourself to godliness? You don't wake up one morning and uh, after a good night's sleep, you have a bunch of pizza. Yeah, you, I was talking to and to uh, someone today and they said, hey, have you ever gone to this restaurant over here? If you go to the restaurant, you go have that burger and you wanna, don't want to eat for three days. I meant for three days, you'll be so full. He said, for the last three hours, I couldn't move. I just ate that. Well, let's say that you ate that hamburger that was recommended. So you have a good night's sleep. And the next morning you look up in the mirror and go, hey, there's something different. Whoa, look at this. This is amazing. Do you just wake up one morning and and you're all chiseled out. You don't have a six pack. You have an eight pack abs. I mean you look at yourself. And you start to think about dressing immodestly. Just to show off those abs. I mean your muscles are 24 inch pythons. And do you wake up that way? No. What do you have to do in order to get the chiseled body? 
exercise. You put yourself into training. Well, do you wake up one morning after spending all night watching TV and wake up one morning and go, hey, look at this. I've got godliness. This is amazing. Great night's sleep. Now, how do you get godliness? By training. By exercising yourself unto godliness. How do you get godliness? By putting yourself into training. Working at it. Making a plan. <laughs> now, it goes in comparison. For bodily exerciseth exercise profiteth little. Now, some people want to do this as a comparison, meaning don't exercise at all. It profits little. It, it doesn't do you much good. That's not what it's saying. It's saying bodily exercise does profit. It does profit some. Everyone should exercise. I mean, <laughs> I do one sit-up a day. When I wake up in the morning, that's half. When I lay back down, that's the other half. But that's not what's... Exercise does well. We need to have a body that's usable by God. That you can have the physical health. I mean, if you walk down an aisle and out of breath, maybe you don't have the best shape possible. I mean, if you just... <laughs> You should do what you can with the health and life that you strength to use it wisely. So you can be. So it does profit it some. But in addition to it profiting some, there's something that will profit you more. Verse number eight. For bodily exercise profiteth little. It does profit. But godliness is profitable unto all things. All things. So here it's talking about a comparison. You know, there are some people who cannot wait to go to the gym. That's their thought. They can't imagine missing a day of training. They go and they work rigorously. It's not that they show up for five minutes, pick up something. Oh, that's good. All right, I'm done for the day. Ooh, that was. When they go to the gym, they go to do a workout. They have a plan. They have certain days that they work on abs, certain days they work on quads, certain days they work on upper body, certain days they work on cardio. They, they have an exercise. They have a plan of attack. Well, no wonder some of us aren't as godly as we should because we don't have a plan of attack. You don't have an exercise regimen. You don't have something to work your spiritual muscles out. Well, just as energetic and enthusiastic as some people are to go to the gym. I mean, we live in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's amazing to watch runners go out in 50 below weather. They're determined. Man, how godly would we be if we were just as determined and enthusiastic as they were to exercise ourselves to godliness? And so... It's doing a comparison that we should be just as thrilled and as enthusiastic to work ourselves out for godliness, to work for it. How do you do that? Well, just like someone who's going to the gym, they don't go and get the big <laughs> weights and say, load me up with 350 pounds. Let's do this. You start off with a goal that stretches, stretches you, then when you meet that goal, you go to another realistic goal. Then you go to another realistic goal. Then go to another realistic goal. The same thing's true about exercising yourself unto godliness. You find yourself a spiritual goal that stretches you just a bit, that's realistic, and you go to it. Then you get another goal and stretch to it. And then another goal and stretch to it. You know, if you don't have anything you're aiming at, you'll hit it every time. 
You've got to, what are the spiritual goals in your life? What are you doing to stretch yourself to godliness, to stretch yourself spiritually, to set those realistic goals inside of your life? Now, in the Greek world, they were always looking for the perfect man. And for the Greek world, the perfect man in their idea went to the gym or worked out an hour a day on their physical body. Have you ever seen the Greek sculptures, how perfect those men were and how uh, sculptured the ladies were? Well, that's because they had in mind that if you were going to be the perfect man or the perfect woman, you needed to work out an hour every day or you were not going to reach that perfection of the body. Well, how much spiritual exercise do you get a day? Five minutes? Ten minutes? Do you have a goal? Do you do something? Or is it like the sit-up that I explained to you that you get up and do half of something spiritual and then lay back down and do the other half and you're good for the day? What goals do you have? What are you doing to work yourself? Now, notice as it gives this here in verse number eight, for bodily exercise profiteth a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. Now, if you work out your body, guess what? It only affects you right now. You give it a couple of greasy cheeseburgers and a bunch of ice cream later, and it all goes away. But then you don't want to know when it really goes away, when you're dead. You could do all the exercise for the rest of your life, and it only profits you while you're alive. Your body does not remain in its chiseled state for 100 years after you're dead. It only profits you for this time. But if you profit, if you work yourself exercise into godliness, not only does it affect you here and now, it affects you in the millennial kingdom. You work and exercise yourself to have the body, the godliness, the rewards in the next life as well. Isn't that much more profitable? Now, bodily exercise profits, but it's a limited profit. profit uh, exercising yourself to godliness not only profits you now, but it profits you later on. Again, verse number nine, just to put the emphasis on this, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Meaning, you don't have to be a preacher to exercise godliness. You don't have to be a man to exercise godliness. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher to exercise godliness. Anyone who's a Christian, this saying is for you. Exercise yourself. Work at it. Work at it. This is worthy for everyone. So, again, we're understanding that Paul is talking to Timothy, who's acting in the office of a pastor. In order to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, there are some things that he needs to take heed to, pay attention to. First of all, Paul tells him that to remember exercise. Remember exercise. A second thing the apostle Paul tells him is reproach is expected. Reproach is expected. Notice with me in verse number 10. For therefore, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Do you know the Bible gives you a promise that says, Yea, all those that shall live godly 
will suffer persecution, shall suffer persecution. You know, that's a promise, just as much as John 3.16 is. That if you're going to try to live for Jesus Christ, if you're going to try to live for the Lord, people are going to criticize. The closer you get with God, the lonelier it is. The more that you grow closer with the Lord, the less that people will understand and people criticize the things they don't understand. And he has to remind Timothy that guess what? People are going to criticize. You know what you learn? Who are you trying to please? No one has big enough shoulders to please everyone. You just can't do it. You have to please the Lord and he has to be your goal. He is the one to please. If your goal is to please everyone, to make everyone you work with happy, you are going to be miserable. If you're trying to make all your church people happy, you're going to be miserable. Guess what? If you don't want to be criticized, say nothing, be nothing, and do nothing. But as long as you live for the Lord, you're going to get criticism. You're always going to have criticism. Expect it. Don't let it fool you. You know, someone said this. The true measure of a man is not what he accomplishes. The true measure of a man is not what a man accomplishes. It, it's what it takes to stop him. Some people aren't a good measure because it takes very little to stop them. Well, what are you reading there? Nothing. Some people, just someone asking them, what are you reading? They'll put away their Bible. Nothing. I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> Some people are afraid to pray in front of people in their meals because they're afraid of what people are going to say. Some people are afraid to say, hey, where are you going on Wednesday nights? I'm going to church. What does it take to stop you from serving God? What does it take for, to stop you from trusting God, to depending on God? A little criticism? You understand, we live in a great country of freedom. We do not know how long our freedoms will last. But what are you doing with the freedoms you have? None of you are being threatened to be put in jail because you own a Bible. You go to Uzbekistan to have a Bible, that's three years in prison. To go to jail inside of, or to, to meet in a church setting and assembling together, not in a building, but to assemble together, is considered an illegal meeting in Uzbekistan, three years in jail. Are you willing to go to jail because you own a Bible? Are you willing to go to jail because you show up to church? Those people are still willing to meet, even at the threat of jail. What does it take to stop you? What does it take to stop you? And so we understand criticism is going to happen. And he's trying to tell Timothy, Timothy, rebuke's going to come. Criticism's going to come. Don't let that throw you off. Take heed to yourself. Pay attention. You watch yourself so that way when criticism comes, it doesn't cause you to stop. It doesn't cause you to fail. He says, beyond that, these things command to teach. Tell everyone else that rebuke is going to come. You tell them to expect it. You tell them that if they're going to live for the Lord, they're going to get criticized. By the way, if they're kicking you in the rear, that means you got the lead. Just keep going forward. Keep going forward. Keep moving forward. So we understand that Paul is telling Timothy that in order to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, take heed to thyself. Watch some things out. First of all, remember to exercise. 
Second of all, reproach is expected. A third thing he says is relive an example. Relive an example. Notice with me in verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth. Now, may I take a pause here? When he's talking to Timothy here, he's not talking to a teenager. He's talking to a 35-year-old man who is acting as part of the pastor. However, you always have people who think they know more, more educated, more mature, more life experience than the pastor. Now, remember, in order to be a pastor, you have to be proven, not a novice, meaning you're not new on the scene. There's always going to be someone who thinks they're smarter and say, well, you just don't know what you're talking about. And Paul says, let no man despise thy youth. You don't let them do that. Don't let them despise thy youth. Don't let them have an excuse of why they shouldn't obey the Bible. But instead, how do you counteract that? Notice this in verse number 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but how do you solve this? Be an example in the believers. How? What are some ways that we could be an example to the believers? Notice this. He says, be an example in what you say. <laughs> let, man, uh, let no man despise thy youth, but be an example of the believers in word. So, Timothy, if you are an example of the believers by how you speak, it gives... It takes away their excuse of despising the youth. It takes away their excuse of why they're not going to listen to them. You have to be the example in what you say. Notice again as it goes on, verse 12. Be an example to the believers in word. Be an example in the believers in conversation. The word conversation here carries the idea of behavior. So not just what you say, but how you live your life. You live your life in such a way that they cannot counteract what you say. That they cannot say that what you believe is false because you believe what you say. You act it out. Notice again in verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be an example of the believers in word. Be thou an example of the believers in conversation. Be thou an example of the believers in charity. Said Timothy, you lead by example and how to love others. You be loving to them. Even if they're not loving to you, you love them. You take away that excuse. Let no man despise thy youth, but be an example of the believers in word. Be an example of the believers in, in conversation. Be an example of the believers in charity. Be an example of the believers in spirit. This idea of spirit here carries the idea in attitude. Don't have a bad attitude. Watch your spirit. No matter what they say, you guard your attitude and how you respond to people. Be thou an example to the believers. Notice this, in faith. You be an example of the believer of trusting God. Don't be freaking out, Timothy, when things don't seem to be working out. Be an example to them in faith and how you carry yourself in believing your God. Then notice it says, in purity. This idea of purity carries the idea of holiness. It's being pure in your mind and in your body. Carry yourself holy. Don't let them despise thy youth, but counteract that. Don't give them an excuse. Don't let them have that excuse, but instead, you be an example to them. So that way they're more inclined to listen to you because they see it carried out in your life. You're not just teaching it, you're living it. And they'll be more inclined to believe what you say and to follow after it. So we see that Timothy is to relive an example. So Paul is talking to Timothy. He's instructing Timothy as a good minister of Jesus Christ. Take heed to thyself that remember to exercise. 
I want you to remember that reproach is expected. Relive an example. He also said this, read for exhortation. Read for exhortation. Notice with me in verse 13. Tell I come, give attendance, pay attention, put yourself to reading. You know, one of the lost skills in our world today is reading. They have set aside reading for entertainment. And they are the worse off for it. Never have we had a society since the publishing of books where we have so many people who are illiterate. And I'm not just talking they can't read. They won't read. We have more books available than any other kind. We even have good books available. But people don't put themselves to reading. And yet Paul is telling Timothy, give attendance to reading. Now, this is above and beyond the Bible. It's reading other books. Now, this is more amazing because the printing press is not invented yet. You know how books were written? By longhand. One copy at a time. Books were precious during that time. Nobody had libraries like we had today. And yet, Paul is telling Timothy, you read, learn to read, love to read, give attendance, pay attention. If you are going to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, a good servant of Jesus Christ, you take heed to yourself. Give attention to reading. Give attention to reading. Now, I'm saying this because I'm, I'm pleading, I'm begging. You need to become a reader. This is one of the reasons why we purchased biographies of Christian people who lived in faith. We want you to start somewhere. Grab biographies. Read about people who trusted God by faith. History is one of the greatest teachers to let us know how others trusted God. And if they trusted God and God came through for them, why wouldn't he come through for me? You want to encourage your faith? Read. If you find yourself struggling in faith, read. If you find yourself that's struggling to find an answer, read. You say, but I don't have time. You always have time. Keep a book with you. Have several books stashed away. Have a book in the bathroom. Don't read your Bible in the bathroom. Read that separate <laughs> But read, have a book in the bathroom. Have one by your nightstand. Have one in your office. Have one in your car. When you're waiting in line, pull out a book. It's much better than pulling out your cell phone and playing Candy Crush. Use the time you have wisely. Give attention to reading. You have more time than what you think you do. Use it wisely. Learn to be a reader. Read good books. Do you know what shapes a person? Uh, some, a preacher said this, that if you tell me what books you read and the friends you have, I'll tell you who you'll be in 10 years. Think about that. So based off the books that you're reading, who are you going to be in 10 years? Empty and mindless? TV will do that to you. Give attention to reading. Give attention to reading. Christians should be the most literate, the most read people there are. Because there's tons of material and they're there to help you. Again, we're talking about exercising thyself to godliness. This is part of it. 
Can you set a goal to read? Now, you need to read your Bible above and beyond. You can't set aside your Bible reading to read something else. But what if you set your goal to read another book? Say, you know what? I'm going to set something low. I'm going to put it down at the bottom. Can I read 20 pages a week of a biography? Well, that should be an achievable goal for most people. Work at it. Stretch yourself. You say, well, then I'm not a good reader. Well, the good thing is, is that reading is a skill, not a talent. You know how someone gets to Carnegie Hall? Practice, 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 practice. You know how you get better at reading? Practice, 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 practice. Read, read, read. The more you read, the better of a reader you become. If you struggle at reading, read! That's the, there's no other fix to becoming a better reading other than reading. But you have to put yourself to it. Now again, we know that we're talking that the Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy as a pastor. And as a pastor, he's, it's more important that he is leading the way in reading. But if you want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, and I hope you do, give attendance to reading. Now as he's talking to Timothy, he gives a list here. Give attendance to reading, but notice this, give attendance to exhortation. This carries the idea of building up the faith. So Timothy, as a good minister of Jesus Christ, you need to work at, this is a skill, of building up others. Building up others. Not only give attendance to reading, but develop the skill, work at it on building up others, and to doctrine. Notice that word doctrine. You're going to see that word doctrine pop up a whole bunch here. Doctrine is so important. In this sense here, it's carrying the idea of teaching. Remember, teaching is a skill too. And you need to develop the skill of teaching, communicating the truth to someone else. You could always become a better communicator, a better teacher. There's all kinds of ways to become a better teacher. And you need to work at it, work, give attendance to becoming a better teacher. So we could see, read for exhortation. So Paul is talking to Timothy, instructing him to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. If you're going to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, take heed to yourself. Remember to exercise. Reproach is expected. Relive an example. Read for exhortation. Then also see this. Re-evaluate the ministry. Re-evaluate the ministry. Notice with me in verse 14. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given to thee by prophecy, with the laying on the hands of the presbytery. Now, here he's talking to Timothy, and he's telling him some things. First of all, he's saying, guess what? Don't neglect the spiritual gift. When everyone came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, you were given by the Holy Spirit of God a spiritual gift, at least one. Some of you may have more than one. But that is a spiritual gift. God has given you that gift. May I also take a pause? The book of Romans speaks about these spiritual gifts. And if you're not familiar with your spiritual gifts, see me later. And we could go over it and try to explain them to you. But you know what? If you're lacking in one of those spiritual gifts, you could still develop that spiritual gift. You could still work at it. Find your weak spots and work at it. But just don't find your weak spots. Find what God has gifted you in and work on that. You need to take the spiritual gift and God expects you to work at it. If your spiritual gift is giving, practice giving. 
Work at it. Don't neglect that gift. God gave you that gift for the purpose of using it to build up the church. If that's his gift. If God has given you the gift of teaching, then work on that gift. If God has given you the this spiritual gift of helps. Uh, many of you, we have a quiet church have the work of helps. The work of helps is working in the background where people don't see you, but you're doing the little things and helping out. Work on that. Some people have the gift of exhortation or encouraging others. People need to be encouraged. If you have the gift of encouraging others, develop it and work on it. But he's telling Timothy, neglect not the gift that was given to you. Then he also makes mention uh, which was given to thee of prophecy, meaning that the Bible spoke about that, the gift that God told you about. <laughs> and then notice this, with the laying of hands of the presbytery. This is talking about Timothy's ordination service, when he was ordained for the gospel ministry. And he's making a big deal out of this because in a pastor's life, this ordination should be a big deal. It should be a special time where he is evaluated and charged to move forward. Now, as a reminder of history, remember that Paul, in his first missionary journey, took a young man by the name of John Mark. John Mark was not ordained. He just followed the apostle Paul. And Paul said, this is great, going with Uncle Barnabas. And they traveled together. And then John Mark quit. And when John Mark quit, it hurt Paul. Now as he's working with Timothy and he's watching other people fall away, he's saying, Timothy, you remember your ordination service. You remember that you were charged for this gospel ministry and you don't forget that you have a responsibility to go forward. I don't want you to quit. You remember that day and that you need to go forward. You need to go on. Reevaluate the ministry. You remember in yourself that God called you to this and that you have a purpose and those that labored and invested in you, that God gave you a gift. You reevaluate the idea of the ministry so you don't quit. As you can see here, Paul is working in Timothy. And again, Paul was hurt so much, Demas leaves the ministry. Other people leave. They walk away. In First, uh, Second Timothy... <laughs> Paul is telling that, hey, everyone's gone. Only Luke is with me. Only Luke is with me. Everyone else abandoned me. Timothy, don't abandon me. Please don't abandon me. And so he's putting a lot of things into Timothy, trying to help him, to work with him, so he doesn't leave. Now, may I also make an application of that? If Paul, who trained Timothy, invested in Timothy, is concerned that Timothy has the potential of leaving the ministry, how real is it that other preachers can fall away? Quite real. And so he's saying, Timothy, remember, reevaluate the ministry, recheck in yourself. God called you. He has a purpose. He's put you in this for a reason. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. And then he goes to another thing. He talked about remember exercise. Reproaches expected. Relive in ministry. Read for exhortation. Reevaluate the ministry. Remeditate every day. Remeditate every day. Notice with me in number verse for number 15. Meditate upon these things and give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. He's saying, Timothy, never get too busy to meditate. Remember the word meditate carries the idea of a cow chewing the cud. As a cow 
eats grass. He takes the grass, chews on it for a while. He swallows it. Then after a little bit, he brings it back up and chews on it some more and puts it back down. Meditate. You know, one of the things that we've lost, not only have we lost the art of reading, we've lost the art of meditating. We have too many distracting things that we don't have time to think things over the Bible. You drive along, you instantly put on music. You put on something to occupy your mind instead of having the silence and letting your mind rethink about things to remeditate on them. And there should be some things to meditate. And part of this is for the purpose of doctrine, to work on it, to <laughs> remeditate. What happens with meditation, beliefs turn into convictions. Do you know that there's some things that people believe, but it's not ingrained. It's kind of, mm, I believe this, but it's not anchored down. With the meditation and mulling it over and thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it, those beliefs turn into convictions and those convictions anchor in. Some of you have beliefs, but they're not convictions, meaning that you don't stand, they're not nailed down on it. You just kind of, I believe this, but you're not, you're tossed about. Every wind blows you around. Every wave knocks you about. That it's not nailed down. That if we were to announce, hey, we're going to change something here and it's a doctrinal thing, some of you are like, okay, well, that's fine. Instead of saying, wait, stop, no. One of the things I love personally is watching young preachers and listening to them as they start making beliefs theirs. They've studied, they went to school, they heard what other people believe, but now they've become pastor and now they have to start learning what they believe for themselves because they have to explain it to someone else. And they go through that stage where they start thinking it over and putting it in different things. People may challenge them and say, why do you believe this? That's a good question. And they start talking to me about it and mulling it over. And you can watch that belief turn into conviction. That's part of meditating. As you meditate upon the wonderful truths of the Lord, they become more real. As you meditate on the wonderful love of God, it becomes more powerful. When you think about these truths and mull them over, it helps you in your Christian life. And he's telling them, meditate on these things. Then notice this, give thyself wholly to them. So now that they become a conviction, you go all in. They're your convictions. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. What does this mean? Well, as a pastor, there is a difference between someone who gets up here and says, well, I think the Bible says this, and what it could mean is, well, this. And they're saying the truth, but there's no passion behind it. There's no conviction behind it. Then you have someone who says, and he preaches this, bless God, this is what God says. He believes what he is saying. That is profitable. If somebody's up here and he's not sure about what he believes, then why should the listener believe it? You understand, this is sort of a persuasive speech. I am persuading you that the word of God is true. And I believe this. And you need to believe this. That... Where does that conviction come from to be able to stand and say, this is what is true. 
meditation. Meditate on these things. Someone says, well, do you have to go to church all the time? Well, it's kind of important, but you know, if you got something better to do, or bless God, the Bible says you need to be in church, and you need to be in church. There's a, you understand there's a difference between a belief and a conviction. Someone doesn't want to hear you give them an excuse. Well, you come to church if you want to. It's, it'd be nice. Bless God, the Bible says that if you're a Christian, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. Now, you cannot be mean about it, but you could be very matter of fact. This is what the word of God says. That makes all the difference in the world. Again, this comes from meditating. Every Christian should be- know what they believe and why they believe it. Doubly so for the pastor. Remember, he's talking to a pastor, uh, an individual, and he's saying, Timothy, you better meditate on these things. And then when you meditate them, you give yourself wholly to them. That's what's going to profit your listeners. When they know, hey, I may not agree with the preacher, but I know he believes what he says. The preacher should believe what he says. Notice if you don't mind, one last thing. Got to the bottom of the list. He talked about Timothy, if you're going to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, you need to take heed to thyself. You need to remember exercise. You need to remember that reproach is expected. Relive an example. <laughs> you need to read for exhortation, reevaluate the ministry, remeditate every day, and then reexamine the doctrine. Reexamine the doctrine. Notice in verse 16, take heed to thyself and to the doctrine. So take heed to the doctrine, to the belief, the teachings. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. A preacher needs to know what he believes and why. Notice again the word doctrine is stressed. It's used once again. Doctrine, doctrine, the belief and teachings. What does God say? You need to know it for yourself. Now, when a preacher guards himself, he takes heed to himself against false doctrine, what he ends up doing is saving. The word saving here doesn't mean salvation. It means delivering from a situation. It says, thou shalt shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Why is this stressed? Reevaluate the doctrine. The reason is, is because false doctrine is always coming in. Not just inside of the church, and the pastor has to fight it, but with the pastor himself. More so with internet, social media, to have false preachers all the time influencing young men of God, older men of God, trying to sway them away from a position that's not biblical, trying to logically say, well, this belief is true. Because what happens when a pastor swerves from his belief He takes the church with him. And when they take the church with him, they're headed for disaster. False doctrine always leads in the wrong way. I can't give you the amount of people that were preachers who believed like I did that now are gone. (laughs) If I could say a sad statistic, and it's not the school's fault, it's my class's fault, But in my graduating class in Bible college of 120-something people, at my count, last count, only two of us are still in the ministry. Only two. 
The rest of them, I'm still friends on Facebook and I watch them. What in the world are you doing? Some of them are in jail. Some of them are pig farmers. Some of them are this and this. You know, I don't want to go and complain about my, again, it's not the school's fault. It was our class fault, but it's an example of the times that they're not meditating. They're not reading. They're not reevaluating the doctrine. And someone grabs a hold of them and says, have you ever considered this? And they start listening to that person. And now they believe something that's not true and they swerve away and they wreck everyone next to them. The pastor is the one who steers the ship. And if he's not double-checking the doctrine and guarding himself and meditating and giving attention to this and taking heed to the doctrine and then continue in the doctrine, then he's going to wreck people. But a pastor who stays in his word and lives in his word and continues in his word, he's going to save not salvation but deliverance from a situation, both himself and others, because they're going to be moving forward towards God and following after God. And that's the, out, the outset here. Timothy, as a good servant of Jesus Christ, a good minister of Jesus Christ, yeah, there's some things you need to pay attention to. Because for a good minister of Jesus Christ, there's an area of influence. If you're serving the Lord, you influence. Whether it's people at work, whether it's kids in a Sunday school class, whether it's a disciple or a disciplee, or a pastor in a church, our doctrine, our belief, our behavior, our attitudes affect other people. And at all times, we're either bringing people closer to the Lord or we're pushing him further away. This is why Paul takes time to tell Timothy, someone he discipled, someone who's acted as a pastor, that if you're going to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, you need to take heed to thyself. There are some things that you need to pay attention to and guard in your own life all the time because other people are counting on you. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.